For six weeks, I've wondered how you return back to a pulpit after spending the longest time in 22 years of your life away from preaching. Um, I left for sabbatical not knowing what I was getting myself into, knowing why in my mind, knowing why because I know the stats. I, I know the reasons that my colleagues had walked out of ministry. I've seen those things take place. And knowing that these things are necessary, but when you've never experienced something like sabbatical, you, never, you don't even know how to plan. And so I, I found myself in a, a time of being sent off, uh, number one, uh, with intense and immense gratitude for a church that believes and supports me, um, and a church that is that, that not just says, yes, go on sabbatical, but a church that facilitates sabbatical, a church that my desk is littered with cards of people with well wishes and prayers in, in, in those that just that meant the world to me. They will stay on my desk for a long time. Um, the, the letters, as a matter of fact, from some of our kids who wrote letters to me as I came back, I, there were lots of letters that had no name, but to the ones I could read, uh, to read, uh, to Wyatt, to Sadie, thank you. Like my, the letters are on my desk, and I appreciate that. But to be able to, to be gone in, in such a way that I didn't even know exactly how to plan, I talked to other pastors, and I would ask other ministers, like, how, do you, how did you plan for sabbatical, and what did you do, and what were the things that meant the most to you, and what did you structure, and what did you allow time for, and how did you work through that? <clears throat> I remember one of the pastors that, that is an individual I meet with on pretty much a monthly basis, and they shared of what they'd been through, and I remember him saying something. He said, but Daniel... And I don't know how to take this sometimes. He goes, you're not like anybody else. You ever have somebody say something to you and you don't know if they're being mean or giving you a compliment? You know what I mean? They just kind of leave it out there. You're just not like everybody else. I'm like, okay, well, thank you, I guess. I don't know. He said, so your sabbatical is not going to look like any of ours. It needs to be different because you operate differently than the rest of us. And he said, I have no doubt that God will guide and direct. And to be very um, transparent, I, 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 didn't, I didn't expect myself to benefit from some of the stereotypical sabbatical type things. You know me well enough to know that submersing myself into a three-week monastery experiment would probably drive me mad. You know, it's not the way I operate. You know, maybe I would get something out of it, but I know this. It would be, it would be a, an immense thing of discipline. It's one of the reasons that when I talk to, to parents today, and, and I feel like I relate to this, in that my mind just seems to run a thousand miles an hour, and harnessing that is something that I, I have to work at in, in that staying focused uh, place. The new terms that we have for things like ADHD and all those sorts of things. I don't know when that, uh, d when that thing began, all right? But I, I know this. My brain fires at a very high level, and that's not always complimentary. But it's why I tell parents, if you have a kid who seems to be just everywhere all the time, can you imagine what that child can accomplish when they can harness those thoughts? You understand? Like, that ability to have so many thoughts going through their head, when they can harness that, oh my gracious, some of the things that may drive you as a parent mad, can you imagine the potential of a child who can harness those sorts of things? And not to say that I've harnessed whatsoever, but to say that I knew in myself, sitting in a monastery staring at a wall, probably not my way of operating. And so I chose to put myself in some very difficult and, and odd places. When I say difficult from a, a physical standpoint, reading books 
Um, I don't know when I look back at it, I passed a book off this morning to a dear friend, um, and the book was a biography about a guy named Gabriel Amorth, Father Gabriel Amorth. He was Rome's exorcist for some 40 years or so. I don't know, by the way, if you're going to read a book about an exorcist, no matter how you feel about exorcism, okay? I don't know that on the mountain by yourself with a headlamp is the way to do that. Okay? Every stick that breaks all of a sudden. You know what I mean? Like you just find yourself a little bit more jittery than you need to be. Uh, but I know that the books I read shaped me and molded me. Um, I also know that in my planning, there were things I could not plan for um, that God spoke through in amazing ways. To Jeff and Richard, who I met in the middle of nowhere, if you're listening this morning, thank you. It's amazing when you bump into people that's 100% God ordained. And for that, I, I, praise, I praise God. Two men who live over a thousand miles from where I do, and for whatever reason, we ended up sharing camp for four days with one, ended up bumping into another one so far from civilization, so far from civilization, but what an encouragement to me. This morning, as I was coming back and preparing and thinking about what would we talk about this morning, what, what did God want to say on that Sunday back from sabbatical, I found myself remembering a recurring theme. And I want you to know when I say recurring, I had pastors who told me, Daniel, six weeks is necessary because for most pastors, it's in weeks five and six when God really seems to shape and mold. And that was the recurring theme I heard from them time and time again. But I'm here to tell you, the recurring theme began on week two. It was something that like I, I began to know quickly as I had unplugged myself from what is the normal machine of EC and operating, I began to know quickly like this is something that will be a recurring theme. It was continuously mentioned. And as I came back and began to think about, God, how would you have me prepare a message this morning? And I went back to read in the lectionary as I've done so many times. And I thought, what a beautiful story. It's almost as if there is some divine creature out there that puts these things together. Amen. Matthew chapter 22, I'd invite you to turn with me if you would. Matter of fact, for out of respect for the reading of the Word, I'd invite you to stand this morning. You'll find it on the screen there in front of you, but you're also welcome to pull it up on whatever device you may have brought, slash paper Bible that you may have brought with you, whatever you would like to read through, you're welcome to do so. But in Matthew 22, we read a, a fairly familiar parable to those who have been in the church for a long time. And if you've not been in the church for a long time, then enjoy this as the first time. What a blessing to have this as like the first time hearing this story. Matthew 22, it is the gospel reading for the, for the lectionary this morning. Jesus spoke to them again in parables saying... The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to show up. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened calf have been butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and they went off, one to his field, another to his business. Others seized his servants, mistreated them, and even killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servant went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. God, we come before you this morning reading back of a story, one of inviting people and those who wouldn't show up and other invitations being sent out. And God, in the midst of that, this parable, this story that you've provided is something that is to teach us. It's to illustrate. It's to show us about the nature of who you are. And so this morning, would you use this story either for the first time or again to remind us of who you are? We love you. We thank you. In your son's name we pray. 
Amen. You may be seated. Kind of fitting this morning, I, I chuckled to myself when I saw that uh, John Thomas and Emily were here with us because it's kind of fitting that we talk about weddings. The week before, we have a, a great celebration of a, another part of ECN getting married and looking forward to all those things. Well, can you imagine with me this morning, because the vast majority have you have been a part of weddings, you, you kind of know what this looks like. Now, in, in the world of today, when you want people to come to your wedding, what sorts of things do you send them? An invitation, correct? And invitations have gotten very uh, uh, beautiful and ornate. Some of them uh, come with pictures or things that are stamped or like things. Some of you are so decorative, they have things kind of hanging off of them, all sorts of neat stuff in the world of that. But there's usually something that comes and there's, a, there's another small envelope and there's normally another little card that goes in. And, and you're supposed to fill out a little bit of that card and put it back in the envelope and put it back in the mail. What is that thing called? RSVP. By show of hands, how many of you this morning will admit that you are not God's gift to RSVPs and you don't do that very often? <laughs> Stephanie looked at John Thomas and Emily's last week. I'm guessing it should have been there a long time ago, maybe two weeks ago. We did it online. We did online. Good. Okay. All I know is she said, Daniel, this thing is supposed to be sent in. And I said, I'm the preacher. I don't have to. <laughs> they know I'm coming. You know, she's like, it's still supposed to be sent in. You're supposed to take care of this. Okay. And I, I thought to myself, like, okay, she's right as often. You know, she's right. Let's send the thing in. So apparently you can do those sorts of RSVP things online. I didn't even know that because she told me she would take care of it and make us both look better because of my negligence. All right. We don't RSVP very well. But you also need to picture in this setting, it's not exactly the same. Because when the wedding announcement is put out, it's more of a, hey, we're going to get married in the last part of October. That's how the wedding announcement would be. In the last part of October, be prepared. We're going to get married or there's going to be a wedding, better yet. And this, this man would have sent out and said, my son's going to be getting married. You all, I've, I've invited this specific group of people to be invited. We'll say for this morning, the first two rows. Y'all are the ones that get invited, okay? I'm inviting these two rows. But the deal is, he doesn't tell you what the date is. More so, he just tells you about the time it's going to take place. So in this world, it's very normal for him to finally send out those who would be going out and telling like, hey, now it's time. I told you it'd be the last part of October or a little early. It's the 15th. But hey, the wedding is today. Come on, let's do this. I told you a long time ago it was going to happen. So that's the kind of the picture that you're seeing taking place. He's describing something that was very, very normal for them. I recognize this morning that doesn't look normal to us because we like to prepare a little bit more. Now, when he sends those people out, you need to know that for them, they should be expectant that this is going to happen. That's what the expectation is. They should be waiting for it. They should be knowing these things. And finally, he sends them out and says, it's time, and yet they do not show up. Going a little bit further, it says he even sends other servants back out them. And what are the things in this passage, you just read it, what are the things in this passage that he does to try and entice them to show up? What does he say to them that kind of puts a little bit more on the story to say like, you should come on, like we're ready. In what ways does he, show, does he advertise the, the party? The food. The food. There we go. I mean, hey, let's just be real for a moment. This is great, by the way, that one of my Sunday school teachers, Chad Mitchell, brings us up. Chad, have you seen a direct connection to Sunday school attendance with food? Amen. It's just wild, isn't it? Like, hey, by the way, October 29, we have our big all-church event. We're going to be eating, which means I know all of you will be here. All right? You'll even bring friends. Other people will show up. It'll be great. You know, but there's something about it. Like, hey, folks, 
The grill is already fired. The, the, the fattened calf, the butchered oxen, all of those things are ready. Like you can begin to describe it. You can probably smell it. Have you ever had one of those times that when people talk about something specific, like you can smell what they're talking about? Your favorite dish, whatever that is, he's describing to them, you need to be here. And these are the things I'm telling you. It's happening. It's time to be here. And yet as he sends those other people out, I understand this morning that there's some parts of this response that seem totally wild, that someone would heckle, uh, that someone would mistreat, uh, even describing some of them as murderers, as those who had been invited back out. The thing I really want you to focus on this morning, when he says to, to go and invite those other people, many of them went back and it says that they had other things to do. Look back in verse 5, if you still have your, your Bibles in front of me. But they paid no attention, it says, and they went off, one to his field and another to his business. For whatever reason, these people who had been invited saw what they were doing or what their responsibilities were or what their needs were or what the, the things that they wanted. They chose other items and other tasks as opposed to being a part of what they were invited to be a part of. This story takes a very drastic turn. I can't imagine this morning, and I'm, I'm sorry for, uh, for our two about-to-be newlyweds, not quite yet, that I continue to reference, uh, because they probably didn't realize at church this morning they would be the point of the story. Can you imagine sending out wedding invitations, and then you get so frustrated that people won't come to your wedding that you no longer send invitations. You just send people to street corners and say, hey, we've got food, it's a party, you should come hang out. Doesn't matter who you are, just come on in. You know, It's a transition that takes place that the, the individual who had been inviting people to come and be a part, even describing to them what it's going to taste like, what the smells are, how I have prepared, how extravagantly I've been waiting and preparing for you to be here, and yet, instead of it just being this select group of people, now it is this, I'm going to invite everyone. I'm, I'm going to have everyone possible. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you were on the guest list or not. It doesn't matter if you RSVP'd. It doesn't matter if you're a VIP. It doesn't matter anything. Just simply that you are willing to be a part of it. We read these stories, and many of us look back into the story of Israel and the story of the people of God. And we recognize this story, the analogies. If you've never read this before, then give me just a moment to describe this to you. This is the story of God in its, at its core. This is the story of God making an arrangement with the people of God as we know them, the Israelites, the covenant made with Abraham, and then passing down and saying, I'm preparing a place for you. I want to be in special relationship with you. And yet you hear time and time again that the Israelites chose their fields and their business. As a matter of fact, the part of the story that seems very odd to us is the part where those who were inviting were mistreated and even murdered. Yet if you look back at the story of Israel, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? You see how that takes place. And then there is this great transition that takes place between God and all of His creation. No longer is He saying, I'm inviting this select and this chosen group of people. But He's saying to the entire all of creation, I have opened up the doors so that everyone can be here, so that anyone can be in relationship with Me. It does not matter who you are. It does not matter what your last name is. None of those things matter anymore. The only thing that matters is I've prepared a place and I'm inviting you to be there and I'm trying to convince you. I'm trying to tell you that you should. And even, even what it smells like and what the tastes are going to be and just how much I've prepared for you. For the next several months, you will hear portions of what experiences were like in sabbatical for me. 
uh, individuals I met, conversations I had, uh, very, some of them range in all sorts of things. Um, uh, no doubt, some of them I'm glad to be standing here today. Um, I, I watched one of my pack stock plummet off of what you might as well call a cliff. That's a whole other story. Wild, wild. But the experience are there. I, I can remember one day specifically. I told you my sabbatical wouldn't, couldn't and, and likely shouldn't look like other people's sabbaticals just because of how different I am, whether that's a compliment or not. And, and in the process, there were times and spaces where I encountered God in such an amazing way. There was a, a specific time I was reflecting as I was walking and, and I was thinking about the feel of the crisp, cold, dry air on my cheeks in such a way that it was almost a burning sensation. You, you don't have a time sometimes to stop and think about things in, in just normal existence. I remember how different it was to breathe air that was such a less dense oxygen content uh, most of that week was spent above 11,000 feet of elevation. A good bit of it was spent around 12,000 feet. And if you've ever been there, you start... And I remember just what it was like to breathe in air that was so thin at 12,000, 12.1. Just, it takes a lot of breath in order to get oxygen levels back up. And as I'm sitting there looking in, in, in the things I'm able to see, I remember with my phone taking pictures. I even took video because at one point there were small pieces of, of hail or ice pellets. I, usually when I think of hail, I think of something larger, the size of maybe marbles, and, and this was like small pellets. And I'm, I'm up there just listening to those things fall, and, and the wind was blowing. I spoke with Randy on the back porch this morning, and he was talking about standing in a place in the Smokies where things were just dead still. And I, I can remember standing there in this moment, and it was these things are taking place all around me. And it's hard to hard to put into words, sometimes the roar of silence. Things can be so quiet, and yet you hear something as simple as the wind cutting through spruce trees, and it sounds like roars in the distance that you're waiting to get to you because the wind is so far at that point, it hasn't yet arrived, and so you can hear the wind coming your direction. And then as that wind begins to blow through, and, and you feel that, that cold on your cheeks, and you just want to capture it in a picture of I was thinking to myself in those moments, like, I, I will take these pictures, and that way I can share with people what they look like and, and what the experience was. And, and then as I took pictures, and I'm looking back on my phone of the pictures I took, I'm just going like, but this isn't it. Like, this is a shell of what it is. I, I was reminded of a guy that I was reading not too long ago, and he was talking about the, the sham that is taking pictures of things, the, the, the fraud that is taking pictures of things. Not that pictures aren't fun to share, but folks, there's, I can't show you a picture and you know what the air feels like. I can't show a picture and, and you know the emotion that was going in those moments of realizing that like, I don't even, I feel so small and so little to deserve to experience these things. Like, there's a world in that, in that moment, there's a world taking place all around. That wind is blowing this morning. Whether I'm there or not to hear it, I, I just got to be a small blip in what's taking place. And, and I sat on a mountain, now my cheeks are very cold because the tears are flowing as I feel like God is blessing me with the opportunity to experience something just so amazing. I'm watching, I'm listening as elk are bugling in the distance. You, you can see there's a lake below me that is the most emerald green I've, I could ever even try to take a picture of. Like All of these things are taking place and I'm wondering to myself like, how can I describe this in such a way? And the reality is I cannot. 
There are no words this morning. That's why there's no pictures on the screen. There's no need for me to try to show you some shell of an image. All I can do is, is tell you that there are those things that you can only experience in life no matter how I try to describe them. If you're going to experience them, you're going to have to walk away from your fields and your business in order to see them. Are you following me now? Folks, there is a God who loves you. This morning, if you don't know the love of a Savior, there's a God who has been working to invite you to His. In this story, it's a party. I don't think that does a real good job in today's world because how we picture party, I don't think does good in communicating the kingdom of God. But you hear the story regardless. This is how Jesus is a celebration. It's, it's a time of, of being excited and seeing new life beginning and, and, and the, the symbolism of covenant and commitment. And God is inviting you to be a part of that. He's not inviting some select few. He's not inviting some people who are on a VIP list. And He's not inviting somebody because of their last name. He is going to the streets and trying to describe, this is what's going on and I just want you to be a part of it. But you, your, your obligation, if you will, your response, if you will, if you want to know what that party, that celebration is like, then at some level you're going to have to decide that that party and that celebration is worth more than your field or your business or at least the things that you're doing in this exact moment. And so one of the things that we'll circle to, and I'm I'm not quite done yet. I I went to a very dominantly black church while I was gone, by the way. They preached for 40 minutes, and then the pastor got up and apologized for letting them out so soon. So like, some things have changed now, all right? Like, I don't care what's going on at 1010. I'll be up here in a minute, all right? But I'm saying, God is prepared for you. And it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been. He's literally telling stories about being on the street corners, begging you to come and be a part of it if you're just willing, if you're just willing to to fragment away, to divert away for just a bit to experience. This is what God wants. He wants to be in relationship with you. And so this morning, I will go no further in this sermon than to say if you've never experienced the forgiveness of a Lord and Savior, this morning can be that for you. He is the one who has been, I would argue, fighting not just inviting, but fighting for you to be in relationship with Him. And so this morning, if you feel that tug that we would define as the Holy Spirit, sometimes it feels like our heart's beating faster. Sometimes it feels like there's just something going on. If you've not been a part of the church for a long time, you don't even know how to put this into words. You just know like something I'm saying this morning is hitting you at a level that nothing else hits. And if you find yourself this morning needing and wanting to be in relationship with a God who has invited you to be in relationship with Him, I want you to pray with me a very simple prayer. And I want you all to bow your heads with me for just a moment, just so that there's no distractions. We're not messing with anybody. If you find yourself, we would call it convicted in a good way, convicted. If you find yourself convicted this morning, maybe you to the Heavenly Father pray something like this. God, I feel your presence this morning. God, I thank you for inviting me to be a part of relationship with you. God, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, I pray that you would forgive me of my sins, those things that have separated me from you. And God, I pray that you would help me to live from this point forward, honoring, blessing, worshiping you. In your son's name we pray, amen. If you this morning feel and recognize that something about you just changed, I'm begging you, please let me know. Please let the people in your lives that are spiritual advisors, spiritual encouragers, please let someone know because then we can better pray with you. We can better encourage you, all those sorts of things. Now this morning, I want to divert for just a moment and tell you that when I think about the recurring themes of ECN, 
That portion of the sermon is only a part of what I'm talking about when it comes to the recurring themes that have been coming up in my mind because quite frankly, if I'm to think clearly about ECN in this story, I don't know that dominantly, that dominantly pictured, I don't know that the way we fit into this story is those who have been invited. You have been. Hear me out. You have been. But when I think about the characters represented in the story, that ECN is the family of God probably relates to more than anything else. Think with me for just a moment. Where might we find ourselves in this story if, if we are, we know we are the invited, but where might we find ourselves in this story also being challenged? What characters, what people? It is those doing the inviting. With me? This morning, one of the things that I'm incredibly encouraged by was a guy named Richard that I met who was an oil field worker that when I walked up, he had no idea I was there. This guy comes flying in and he spins into the little area he's going to work on for just a moment. And, and I won't tell you his entire story because it'll come later. I just know this. I was about 40 or 50 yards behind him when he turned in. I was coming out of a dip out in the desert. And when I walked up on top of this hill, clearly this guy has no idea I'm there. He's walking around checking out his gauges and coming over here and doing this. I mean, he's just like... Kind of like me. He's a little high strung and moving real fast and doing his thing. Okay, so like he's all over the place. And I recognize when I got about from me to Jace from him, I'm like, I'm about to scare the bejesus out of this guy. You know what I mean? Like he may go see Jesus because I scared him that bad. So I went, hello. Like he turns around, you know, and I'm like, hey, man, just didn't want to scare you. Oh, thank you, buddy. I had no idea you were in this world. I mean, I'm out here in the middle of nowhere and that kind of stuff. And I said, man, good to meet you, you know. And I start talking to Richard. One of the funny things was he invi- he offered me because I was in an area that you can only walk into in miles back in there. And he said a couple of days, hey, man, you want to ride back? Well, of course I do. Okay. But I also know, like in the oil field, you're not supposed to be transporting hunters all over the place because I was hunting in this operation. Man, you want to ride back? I was like, no, no, man, I'm good. So finally, he asked me like three or four times, and then he opened the door and he said, man, if I didn't offer you a ride or a glass of water or you know, a bottle of water or something, and my wife found out, she'd make me go to church more than I already do. <laughs> so well, wouldn't that be awful? You know, I don't even know what that looks like. You know? So anyway, I started talking to him for a minute. He finally throws it out there. Can I give you a ride back? And I said, man, I'll tell you what, I don't mind a ride from you, but I'm afraid I'm going to get you in trouble. You know, we've been talking for a while at this point. He, he kind of leans back for me and he goes, hey, buddy, I don't know if I told you this or not. I'm as high as it gets out here. Ain't nobody getting me in trouble. You want a ride? I can give you a ride. I went, all right, then I'll ride with you. You know, so this guy gives me a ride back to my parking area. It was awesome. In the process of all of that, he, without knowing who I was, was representing Christ in an incredible way. Loving what he did. Again, more stories. Loving what he did being quick to point out that he was a blessed man and he hoped I was too. Opening the door for conversation without ever having a clue of who I was. When the conversation ended an hour or so later, we're back at the parking area, we're back at my camp. And he said, man, every Sunday our Sunday school class is told to, to share if we had any God moments. And he said, I just can't, I can't tell you how big it was to bump into you out here and I'm, I'm feeling like it's all an honor on my side to meet this guy because he was such an encouragement. And I'm talking to him. He, he said, can I get my picture with you? Fine, man. Yeah, whatever. He, he said, I just want to show people the face of who my God moment was. And I bumped into somebody in the middle of nowhere, man, that had this great, you know, encouragement. I kind of said, man, that's awesome, you know. And so, like, you know, we take pictures and, and he moves on and told me about his church. And I just thought, that's what we're called to do. Bump into people in the middle of nowhere. And not, not inorganically, but naturally that conversations go back to I'm a blessed man because of a God that loves me, and I hope you are too. You know? Man, what an inc- that's what we're called to. Oh, by the way, if you prayed that prayer earlier and you asked God to forgive you of your sins and to be, essentially be Lord of your life because you want to be part of what He's doing, 
then that is now your command leaving here. That's what we do. We leave this place and we look for opportunities in our work and our families and our jobs and whatever things we're doing. We look for places to be able to share with people just how blessed we are because of the God we serve. God, we come before you this morning thanking you for who you are and thanking you for the opportunity we have to be able to be in this space together. We pray this morning that you would send us back out, recognizing that we are all the invited, and yet now we also recognize that we are those who are to be inviting. Send us back into this world to describe to people as best we can what the party, what the gathering, what the celebration looks like. But send us back recognizing, God, ultimately we will describe as best we can, we will invite as best we can, because that's what we do to honor you. God, we do so in hopes that other people will be a part of the celebration as well. We love you. We thank you. In your son's name we pray. Amen. You are dismissed. Have a great Sunday afternoon.